Welcome back to the Encounter Mercy podcast. I'm Father Andrew Boyd calling back to you tonight after a week of hiatus, but I'm blessed to have with me tonight Deacon A.J. Gedney. Uh, So Deacon A.J., you were going to be on the show with me last week with uh, Vince, but we had, well, way too many technical difficulties. It took like over an hour and a half to get us even try to record them when we recorded it. Well, it just did not work all that well. So, but hey, we're back tonight with some new software. So I'm really glad to be able to be here with you. And hopefully, you know, this is like even more advanced than I'm used to. And that's, yeah, that, well, that's saying something. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, great conversation. Uh, it was impassioned. We were, um, we were just really having a good time. And then it just, maybe it was God's will that uh, the world wasn't ready for that yet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it worked out really well though, that we get to try out this new software. You know, we played with it a few minutes ago for a little bit. So I'm really grateful th- that this is working so far, you know? So if you're listening to this episode, just know that there was a lot going into this one, um, not just spiritually and prayerfully, but uh, <laughs> technologically as well, spent the last week trying to perfect this. So uh, glad to be back with you guys. Yeah, it's always it's always hard when you know you record a, a big good episode and it uh, ends up in the trash can because it's unusable. But if that you know that prompted us to get this new software, which hopefully will um, be really good for us in the long run. So um, that's okay. You know, I enjoy spending time with you guys uh, here on the chat. So even if we didn't get to make a podcast, I think that's okay. Yeah. We'll uh, it'll be extra good today. Yes, to make up for last week's definitely. Well. Uh, Hopefully by now um, everybody is doing well. It's it's been an interesting couple of days, you know. It's well since we've actually had an episode go up, but in the last few weeks, this it's been crazy for me in the parish. I I don't I can only imagine what it is like still as a seminarian now. Uh, you know, in our diocese is in Pennsylvania. The Sunday obligation comes back into effect August fifteenth. So you know we're getting ready for that. I I don't know I don't know what Kentucky did. Do you know what your dioceses are doing down there? Yeah, uh, the obligation has been in effect for a couple months. Because um, I, I was trying to remember, but I think it's it's been so far long ago that it's not in recent memory. Um, but I guess one of the things we talked about last podcast was a new bishop for my diocese has been announced. Right. That's right. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, so that's exciting. So Bishop Foyce has been here for 19 years. And uh, almost on the anniversary of him sending in his letter... We turned seventy-five last year. He, uh, we received the news that his, his successor was announced, Father John Effort of the Diocese of Belleville, which is in southern Illinois. Um, I hear great things. Uh, bishop Foy says he has a good sense of humor, which uh, he will need to use very use a lot as a Absolutely. bishop. Yeah, um, but it's exciting for me because, uh, like right now, it looks I'll be the first priest he ordains. That's amazing. Uh, That's yeah. gonna be awesome. Yeah. So I mean, I was really glad Bishop Foy's renamed me to the diaconate. That's something I didn't think would happen. Um, once I knew he was getting close to retirement age, um, but to be the first priest of a new bishop, um, it's really cool too. So I hope hope his consecration takes effect so he can uh, yeah. ordain people. No, I yeah. at dinner I was at dinner tonight with some parishioners and I was joking like, yeah, I have to like lay hands a couple times on my head to be like, hey, did it take yet? Like, okay, okay, <laughs> now I'm a priest. Okay, good. <laughs> Yeah, because he's not, he's just a monsignor right now, right? He's not a bishop yeah. yet. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be able, you're going to have a huge part in his consecration. Oh, it's, it's going to be, I, I'm really excited. I'm, I've started to watch um, like other dioceses consecrations because it's been 19 years for our diocese. And the yeah. one before that, it had only been six years. So it was right. like the bishop, uh, you know, um, Bishop Munch, and then six years, and then Bishop Foyce, and he was consecrated as well when he came in. So 
um, yeah, it's going to be, I'm really excited because all the, sem- we're t- all the seminarians are told, you know, come back for that. Yeah. Um, and to just even, even be a part of that, I think it's going to be really exciting. What's the date on that? September 30th. September 30th. Yes. Yeah, so you'll be back in school for a few days. Oh, exactly a month. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, and, uh, just real quick, uh, you know, we were talking about the Sunday obligation and there's a few things I want to talk about with that today. Um, especially for my diocese, the diocese of Erie. And I think for all of the dioceses of Pennsylvania, you know, we're going back to having the uh, Sunday obligation be instated. And what exactly does that mean? You know, this isn't the whole episode topic for tonight, but I think it's important, especially because um, the Bishop of Erie, Bishop Persico, sent all the priests an email tonight reminding us what this exactly means, because I think we sometimes forget um, what we are experiencing until we have something major come up like this pandemic. So it's the idea that, you know, there's this fear of saying, you know, the concern of the dispensation being lifted as the cases of the Delta variants are being, uh, are beginning to surge. And so we just got to remember that even outside of pandemic, if you are sick or if you have any reason that is a good reason to not be in church, you, you don't have to worry. Yeah, like that's, it's, that's already in canon law, you know, if you're not exactly. comfortable. Yeah. And I think we just need to reiterate that because I think number one is that people are thinking like, oh my gosh, now all of a sudden, if I don't come to this, my bishop's telling me I'm going to hell. Well, no, actually. It's always been, it's always been that way. Yeah, it's always been that way. Even during pandemic, it's like, no, no, you got to understand. It's not so much about us telling you like, oh, you're going to go to hell if you don't come to church. It's the idea that, no, if you don't have a valid reason, and a valid reason is an illness, is um, and is something going on in your personal life that causes you to be unable to go, the, the anxiety because, let's say, you are unvaccinated because of good reason, and so you don't feel safe coming back to church uh, possibly getting sick, you're older, you have, uh, you know, some illness that is going to make it very bad if you were to catch COVID, especially this Delta variant. So if you feel that it's not safe for you right now to come back, that's okay. We're not saying like, okay, you're going straight to hell if you don't come back because you're not listening. It's more about to remind each and every one of us that, you know, I was joking with the pastor, but it's true. If you have the flu, I really don't want you coming to church. Like, I don't want you coming to church if you are sick to your stomach and you're vomiting, right? I don't want you coming to church if you are feeling like you're going to pass out because I want you to be safe. Not just because, like, I don't want to get sick and I don't want you to get everybody else sick, but I want you to be safe, right? And I think as priests, as deacons, soon to be priests, which is exciting, um, you know, that we're looking for the safety of everybody. And, And Jesus would understand. I'm fairly certain he'd understand, like, yeah, if you're sick, please don't come to church. Please get better. Please please rest. Sometimes we just need to rest. And so I think that's really important that we pay attention to with all this. Yeah. And speaking of a place where Christ himself rested, uh, the home of Mar- um, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Right. So uh, right. yeah, today is St. Martha's Feast Day, historically. And then, I, like I said earlier, I preached today, so couple days ago, I was doing some research just in the readings. And I went to the USCCB's website and it said that it was actually the feast of Martha, Mary, Mary and Lazarus. So then I clicked on some links and I found that the Holy Father um, in January of, of this year, 2021, had declared um, to the congregation of the discipline for the congregation for divine worship um, that 
today is now the feast of Martha and her siblings, Mary and Lazarus. So I thought that was yeah. interesting because that kind of changed um, how I was going to preach. Um, so yeah, I wanted to kind of talk through that because I think uh, it's a great thing because again, um, their, their stories in the gospels are just so, so rich, right? Yeah. You have um, Christ going to the home of Martha where she's doing all the work and she's worried because Mary's sitting at Christ's feet just listening. Um, we have all three siblings in John's gospel when Lazarus is raised from the dead. Right. And, you know, Martha declares Christ as the, as the Messiah and then right. Lazarus come, you know, coming back from the dead. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's, you know, these are three very important people, especially because it seems, um, you know, when we look at the stories about Jesus visiting with these three siblings, that they are some of his best friends. Right. We, we know that Christ came and wept at the grave of his friend. Right. It says that uh, and he wept, you know, and so there is that understanding that Christ really, truly loved these people with his whole heart, with his whole being. And there was this sadness that came into his heart when he saw the sorrow and the suffering that Mary and uh, Martha were going through. But we also know that this extremely important celebration isn't just because of their relationship with Christ, but I think also the Holy Father's, you know, wanting to show the recognition of the Holy Family there. So, yes, not the Holy Family, you know, the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, but, but a, a Holy family. family. Yes, exactly. And I don't know if you listen to Catholic radio at all, AJ, but I was in the car a little bit today and I had Gus Lloyd on. I don't know if that rings a bell. He's a radio host from Tampa, Florida on the Catholic radio network from Sirius XM. And so I was listening and he was talking about this whole idea of they are a holy family. They aren't the holy family, but they are a holy family. And it gives us sort of this witness to what it means to be a holy family. And, you know, kind of show us how each of us are a witness of this holy family in the world. But let's talk a little bit about this whole idea and why. First, let's try to clarify this. Why did the Holy Father make a change? And really, did he make that big of a change when he declared this celebration to be about all three of them? So do you, uh, from what I've heard, what I, a little bit of research I've done, this has always been the celebration of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, but Martha got put first because we were able to definitely guarantee her um, uh, her witness to the Lord uh, and her her fiat in a way. Especially like when we were talking, when we get into talking about uh, when she was complaining to Jesus, her silent fiat of you know recognizing that maybe okay, maybe sometimes Mary does have the right understanding, as Jesus almost looks like he's scolding her, but. It always has been all three of them, Martha being first and then Lazarus and uh, Mary being like a secondary option that they never got celebrated. So the Holy Father just kind of like bumped them up a bit. But as you brought up the decree, it talks here about how the considering the important evangelical witness they offered in welcoming the Lord Jesus into their home, that their unity there is extremely important. So the Holy Father wanted to bring into that recognition, the entirety of their celebration. Yeah, I think um, I was kind of reading what the church father said about this. And I think Augustine in the Office of Readings uh, today kind of talked about it is 
um, Christ came, went to their house to be refreshed. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and it was just, it was very beautiful and profound. The things Augustine was saying that like the one through whom everything was created was being served, you know, Christ, he was hungry. He was tired. And like you and I, like he needed friendship and community. He was God, but he's also a true man. And I think that's what yeah. it means to be human. Um, so I have a quick story about family. Um, when I, when I was discerning, I was living and working in Indianapolis as an engineer. And that was my first full year, not living at my parents' house. So, uh, for Easter that year, I played guitar. So I did all the music for the Triduum, but Easter I was off and I thought, you know what, this is weird. You know, am I going to spend Easter here in, like alone in my apartment? Uh, like it'd be worth to go home. I'd never spent Easter away, but on a good Friday, a family that I'd gotten to know, uh, said like, Hey, do you have plans for Easter? And I said, no, they said, come on over to our house. We live close to the parish. So this is a great Catholic family. They had like seven kids. Um, I went to their house for Easter. It's all these, you know, the parents' siblings and all their kids. And we ate the same food that I had grown up eating on Easter. And I hid eggs for the Easter egg hunt. And I got to play with the kids. And it was really, that was really important for me because I was discerning and I knew I was going to quit my job to enter seminary and to become a priest. And I thought about, I was mourning the loss of my own family thinking, well, I won't have a wife. I won't have kids. I won't have this. But to be a, a part of that family uh, was really important. And, uh, you know, on a couple of occasions, I made sure I told the couple, like, thank you for sharing your family with me because I really needed that yeah. because as celibates, yeah. we're not going to have our own family to uh, to deal with or to have around. But when people like, have, at least for me, when people have invited the, me into their homes like for meals or to have a, a bourbon and cigar by the campfire like that, those things are really meaningful for me. So that's what kind of I was praying with when I learned that all three saints were being commemorated at the same time is that Jesus needed family time. Yeah. Yeah. That intrinsic unity, as our Holy Father says, that intrinsic unity that is there between the family unit. You know, we have that experience of how they all were important. You know, even in that gospel passage where it seems as if Jesus scolding Martha, you know, Martha, Mary chose the better. But the important thing here is, uh, as it says in the decree, Martha generously offered him hospitality. Mary listened attentively to his words, and Lazarus promptly emerged from the tomb at the command of the one who, who humiliated death. And I think that's like really important to see because each of them had an important role. Now, did they understand their role in its entirety as it was playing out? No. And we know that because of the scold that Jesus gives uh, you know, Martha. Um, and so we have that experience of the whole unity of family there. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a commentary. Um, it's the ancient commentary, ancient Christian commentary on sacred scripture. And it just has what the early fathers say about, you know, every verse in the new Testament, but it was just really cool going through it because, um, there was one saint, and I think some of the fathers do this. It's like they're, they're speaking to the biblical characters themselves, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's like, Mary, you know, weren't you attentive to Christ's words? You know, you were being fed on, uh, on the words that fell from his mouth. Uh, you know, that's that's what it, what it would be like in heaven. You know, Martha, you were concerned with Christ's needs. You know, you may have loved him more because you would have been preparing before he got there. But it's just cool because it, uh, it acknowledges Christ's like temporal needs as a, a human person. Uh, no, just kidding. He's a divine person as a human being. 
Right. Um, right. It, it acknowledges those needs. And but it, then this author, the church father is saying, but Martha, you know, we won't have these in, in heaven. So it, yeah. I think I think that's where, where that, that kind of that chide comes in with like Mary's chosen the better part. It's like, well, because Mary's part is what we're going to do in eternity. But like Christ had temporal physical needs and Martha was meeting those. Yeah. Yeah. And just reading through the um, end of the story here, it it, it says in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 42, there is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part and will not be taken from her. And as far as I know, uh, let's go to chapter 11. It just ends, right? The story just ends right there because the next thing is we're going to be talking about how to pray. The, the disciples asking Jesus how to pray. And so we don't really know what happened at the end of that story. We don't we don't have any like definitive answer of like Martha saying to Jesus, oh, how dare you? You're in my house or something like that. But we can sort of take it on an opportunity of faith. And um, we can hear Jesus at times, I think, saying to each of us as well, you know, the other option's better. Like right now you just need to sit and rest, sit and relax, sit and be with me. And so um, you know, it's this... I, I call it the silent fiat just because, you know, we have Mary's fiat, her her turning to Christ, to God in that moment, her yes, let your will be done into me. And so it's like that it's Mary's now, uh, Martha, excuse me, this Martha, it, it's her, okay, it's her opportunity to decide. And we know, we know from later on in the story that she does change, right? She does change because her confession of faith and that confession of faith when we hear in the uh the gospel passage is yes lord i do believe you uh you are the resurrection and the life and uh that he i have come to believe that you are the christ son of the living god the one who is to come into the world and so you know we know that later on in the story that she does believe, that she does come to that confession. And so it, this might be the turning point for her in her experience of Christ. Yeah. No, no, that's pretty cool. I remember doing, um, in Joan and literature this past semester, doing a, um, like a little exegetical thing on that, on that pericope. Um, and it was just, it was just really beautiful. Cause I think Martha really just really has faith because she probably has no idea what, what Jesus is about to do, but she's just like, you know what? I just have faith in you. Like, like Jesus, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. But she could be just be stating a fact. You know, she's mourning. She yeah. may have had no clue Christ was going to raise her brother from the dead. But yeah, she has that beautiful um, profession of faith. And then Christ does this like incredible thing. You know, he's just sleeping. You know, Lazarus come out. Yeah. <laughs> yes, as we as we hear in this passage. Yeah, and and so we just have to. It's the trust. You know, it might have taken from the moment that she complained. Do you not care that my sister's just sitting here? <laughs> I, I mean, like I, I can hear it. You know, hey, it's not fair. I'm doing all the work, but this moment, from that moment to when her brother died and the Lord uh, comes back to them, we don't really hear much in that interim time. And so, it, you know, she might have had that moment of conversion in that in that moment. She might have had that conversion moment, so she could encounter the Lord again and again and again each and every day. So, I mean, it's a beautiful celebration today, not just because of that, but because of the fact that we are celebrating this intimate family unit. We don't know a ton about the family unit. You know, we don't hear a lot about it in scripture, but what we do know is that they loved each other 
dearly mm-hmm. because not only obviously you know most of the relations would uh, stay like family units would stay together and so most likely as siblings they were all living in the same town for their entire life but we always hear about them together and how important it is that they are always together and so this staying connected to our families and how we as a family should be a family unit you know this is not showing the parents plus all of the children this is showing the siblings and i think sometimes uh, we need a good image of what brothers and sisters should be like and you know sometimes they fight sometimes they get in disagreements lord you not care and sometimes it's lord i love them so much i love them so much and so it's that uh i think that experience for us as well about how we should experience the love for of god um amongst our relationships of our families yeah to um yeah it's i tell people you know i tell them when i have a, like oh do you have any siblings like yes i have a younger sibling she's two years younger than i am then we talk you know whoever i'm talking to will talk about their family and sometimes i say yeah i didn't know if my sister loved me growing up uh because we were so close in age everything was a competition but she wouldn't let me like hug her so for a long time i thought does she love me um but no, no like we're, we're we're very close now um but yeah, but that's a good point. Like maybe Martha, Mary and Lazarus, like maybe they would have fought as kids, you know, yeah. or, even, or even as adults, you know, Martha's thinking like, oh, come on, Mary's a lazy one. She's just sitting there listening to Jesus and I'm doing all the work again. Yeah. Um, but it, it, but it just shows, you know, that um, whole, holy sibling hood or, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, yeah, that you can have with your sibling. And, you know, if things aren't great now, well, that's okay, because I'm sure. Maria or Martha and Lazarus probably had the same thing growing up too. Yeah, and I think it also gives us a great image for um, both priesthood and for our sisters out there who are living in the convent uh, and, and our brothers who are living in the monasteries because you have your family, you know, the other nuns, the other priests, the other monks that you live and work with, they're, they're our brothers, they're our sisters. And having that relationship, sometimes it's going to be like, okay, that one priest is the the Martha of the group and the other priest is the Mary. And, and sometimes the, <laughs> then you also have the Lazarus who's just sitting quietly in the background and not saying a word. No, you know? he died. Like <laughs> <laughs> He died. <laughs> the good holy one, you know, the good holy one, he doesn't say a word, yet he's the one that is the rock, right? Yeah. So, but you have those siblings in our religious life as well. And even if you're a layman, you know, if you're a layperson, um, you are going to experience that too. There's going to be the guy in church that he he is so overly devout, or she is so overly devout that you know it just bothers you. It's like, but I'm doing all the hard work here. I'm the one that's cleaning the church every Wednesday. But all they do is they come and pray. But then you also have the ones that are coming and praying that need to see the ones that are cleaning the church to give a hand. Right? It's yeah. that experience of our in our own lives of our siblings and it doesn't have to be by blood that, that's funny you went there when you started mentioning um like uh, religious nuns and, and and monks and brothers is i preached on that today i focus i talked about some other stuff but focus on martha and mary's relationship is that you know the saints say martha is the active life of the christian mary is a contemplative contemplative life and then of course you know thomas Aquinas says like what's the perfect life like doing both yeah. So, you know, there are times we need to be active. You know, we're not living in hermitages. Their their life is going to be like Mary. But that for us living in the world, you know, I was as I was saying this to the people in the pews, it's going to be both. 
you know, we, we shouldn't prioritize one over the other, but they should feed off each other and they should flow into the other. And then I, I kind of brought in, you know, in the gospel of John, when Christ says to Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. It's like right. the love comes first. And then from that, just effortlessly flows into service and works for others. So, you know, but it's not prioritizing one over the other. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's a great you went there. because That's yeah. exactly what I talked about is having both uh, a contemplative life, which is serving God, listening to Jesus, but also this active life, which is going to be serving our neighbor or whoever's around us. Yeah, and that's so important, especially in these moments uh, where our church is going through a lot of chaos. You know, and like I was talking about in the beginning about the Diocese of Erie and the Dioceses of Pennsylvania coming back to the Sunday obligation. You know, it's not that judgment of the other person that's in the pew, but the recognition like, okay, we are all in this together, but then also recognizing within ourselves where we have that um, difference that we need to pay attention to right? Like we cannot neglect our uh, divine life because of the fact that Christ says to us, you know, that Mary has chosen the better. Mary has chosen the better and we, it will not be taken from her. And so we have to make sure that our, our divine life that Christ puts into our hearts, that God has put into us, that we're paying attention to it and we're keeping it alive. So it's it's a both and, just like you said, extremely important to pay attention to that. Sometimes one is being taken over by the other, and we got to make sure that we uh, adjust that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. Um, praying with the gospel today is a lot of times I'll I'll put my name where Martha's is, and I can yeah. get like, oh, like you know me, I'm I'm an anxious person. I worry about everything, sure. and so it's just like AJ, AJ, you are worried about many things. There's need yeah. of only one thing. So like that's, I love that when that comes up uh, for daily mass, because so I, I, you know, I'll reflect on the gospel for that day, but it's so beautiful when I'm getting all wrapped up in the stuff that like may not even happen or trying to plan for uh, situations that may not even occur and yeah. having all these contingencies, but it's just like AJ, AJ, like he, I love yeah. it. He, he, he says it twice. It's, it's almost like Martha, like, no, Martha, you are yeah, worried attention. and anxious about many things. There's need of only yeah. one thing. So I, I, I love that too, to, to, to bring a personal spin on it is, uh, you know, Christ is talking to Martha, but I, I'm sure we could say he's talking to us too. Yes. Yeah. And it's so important that we pay attention to that because he is calling out to us. And, and sometimes as parents know, to get the child's attention, you have to say their name a few times or know? their full name. Yeah, Andrew Michael, I know I'm in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. I told that to a priest friend of mine, and he said that didn't happen because he had like six siblings. So he's like, oh, I'm yeah. lucky if she, if she got the right boy, like if she got yeah, exactly. Close. It's like okay, you're you're one male child off. So that's yeah. that's funny because I mentioned that before of like, oh, do you remember when your you know your mom or, or dad would call you by your full name? You know, you were like you're in deep. But he's like, no, like I was lucky if she called me like not by her husband's name, like because yes, had, you know, he had like yes. all these male all these brothers. Yeah. I was like, I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah. When you come from a small family like us, you know, between the two of us, we each have one sibling. Mine is seven years older. Yours is two years younger. But, it's, you know, when we come from a very small, intimate uh, family life that, yeah, we don't really think about that too often. Mm-mm. You know, and continuing on the family life, you know, our uh, my uh, faith formation director uh, has six children. And it uh, talking about this makes me laugh, too. Um this is way off topic, but I think it's hilarious. Is he says to me, uh, you know, we we like to get the kids going because they always freak out 
um, and think, oh my gosh, are they pregnant again? So we'll always sit them down at random points throughout the year and just say, we have oh, no. big news. We have big news for you. Oh, and no. all the kids are like, oh, come on again. And they're like, we're going to, uh, we're going to go to the grocery store tomorrow. So if you need anything, just let us know. <laughs> Something is like trite or, you know, I just think it's hilarious. So that's funny. Those are some funny moments, but see, these are the things that families do together. We can laugh together. We can pray together. And as we know, between Martha and Mary, we can cry together and the Lord is here through all of it. So we place our trust today in these three great saints and how important they are. Um, we ask the Lord for the strength to see in our own lives where he is calling us to be like Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, all three of them, the working type, the praying type, and the quiet, contemplative, and responding type. You know, we we talk so much about Martha and Mary's relationship, but because he doesn't ever really say much, we don't, <laughs> we, you know, we don't hear from Lazarus, so we don't, we, we just know that he does. Can, can right? you imagine, like, I, I just can imagine uh, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out, and he's like, you can just hear a little quiet in the grave, like, okay. <laughs> like, did he, did he or, say anything? Or it must have been muffled, right? Because he was he was yeah. bound still. So it's like, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why or, are you yelling? Or like, he, does he yawn? So I just yeah. think about, you just mentioned like, oh, Lazarus has no words in, in scripture. But I thought, what if he was like, oh, hey, Jesus, good to see you. Like, man, I had the weirdest <laughs> dream. Like, what does he say? Yeah. 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 Wouldn't it well, be great to know what happens after that? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it'd be great. Well, because the other thing I'm thinking about with this story, here we go again, completely off the cuff. So here, listen, everybody, this is non-canonical. This is not actually what's in scripture, but it's fun to think about. Well, you know, he's listening to his sisters bicker all the time, right? Because we know that they were bickering in the one gospel passage. What if Jesus says, Lazarus, come out? And he's like, do I do I have to? Oh no! <laughs> like I'm finally getting some rest, some peace and quiet. Do do, do I have do I have to? <laughs> oh, oh no, that that's funny because then it's like then the the time Jesus actually says like come out with force. He's like okay, but it's like yeah. do I have to? Like they're fighting do again. I, no, I I, I get that. It again. That's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so, so um, that's the third part of the understanding between Martha, Mary and Lazarus, the silent type, but the silent is important. You know, it's the silent. Yes. It's the silent do when the Lord says, come out, he comes out when the Lord says, do he does. And so when the Lord commands us to do something, and it could be something as small as I want you to pray, or I want you to rest, or I want you to, you name it, find what the Lord is asking. It's following through with his command. And so if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, the Lord is telling me something. He's putting this specific thing on my heart. It might be, hey, I want you to join the seminary. Or, hey, I want you to look at this monastery or this convent. Or, hey, I want you to person... join a podcast. Yeah, I want you to join a podcast. Um, or, hey, uh, that, that girl that you're dating or that boy that you're dating, uh, that's your husband. That's your wife. I want you to be with them forever. Or, hey, be at peace. Be at peace in my love and be at peace with me forever. If the Lord's asking you to do that, listen, listen. You know, you might be a little apprehensive. It might take a few times for you to hear it completely, but trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord because just like Lazarus, be the one that he has asked you to be and do as he asked you to do. So there's a lot, there's so much available to us in the experience of the saints. And we have to give thanks to God for all the saints, of course, that he has given us. So it's extremely important now uh, that we pay attention to these. Uh, and so I, at least for me, I'm grateful to the Holy Father, Pope Francis, for giving us 
a new way to look at these three together instead of separately or just one of them. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Saints, Martha, Mary and Lazarus. Pray for us. Pray for us. Very good. All right. Well, you have once again listened to another half hour ramblings between two uh, celibate clerics. Yeehaw. Uh, Woo! Thanks for paying attention. Hopefully we didn't completely bore you to tears. Um, great things are coming in the future for us, so keep praying for us. Pray that the Lord might allow us to keep doing this ministry. Uh, and uh, we ask for your prayers for many different things, you know, not to shout too many things out, but today's my mother's birthday. She's 29 again. Happy birthday, um, Peg. Yes, mom's birthday is today on the 29th, the celebration of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So uh, happy birthday, mom. I know you don't listen to this and you probably never will, but you know, <laughs> it's out here. You can, you can uh, tell, uh, people can tell her that now, you know, if any, I think some of her patients listen, so it'd be hilarious to say, oh yeah, I found out your birthday because your son embarrassed you and shouted it out, you know, but she just turned 29 again, you know, just like, uh, yeah, that's great. 30 years of turning 29. I'm sure that's, that's spectacular. So, uh, so happy birthday, mom. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully if you're listening to this, you're going to share this with someone, right? You're going to share this with someone that you love or someone that you want to experience the Lord a little bit. And, uh, maybe you can help us out in other ways too. So let us know what you think you could do to help us. And we would love to talk with you soon. So reach out to us on our website, on our social medias and, Continue to check back in in the future as great things are happening for the Encounter Mercy podcast team. Uh, listen to us at all the places that you can find podcasts and have another wonderful and blessed night. Good night, AJ. Good night, Father Andy. Good night.